Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. So we're going to be talking about Samson. You saw the video. We're, we're talking, having a little bit of fun about the muscles today. I'm pumped to talk, take you into this journey. And the reason it's important for us to really talk about Samson, I, I, I dare say most of us know a little bit about Samson. Hopefully by the end of this series, you're going to know a lot. I really want you to know a lot about Samson because Samson presents for us men a mirror to look at and say, wow, this is where I am. This is where we are. This is where our culture is right now. And in so many ways, we, we can learn lessons from him that hopefully we will come out of uh, better on the other side. So we're talking about today about when strong men are weak. And I'm going to take you to a scripture in Ezekiel, Ezekiel uh, chapter 22, verse 30. Ezekiel chapter 22, uh, verse 30. I think we'll have it on the slide for you as well. And it said this, said, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But here's what God said, but I found none. Not one, not a dozen, none. No men to stand in the gap. And I wonder if if God was writing that scripture to us today, would he say something like, I'm looking for a man to stand in the gap with character, with integrity, who would reach out for the to help the poor, who would who would stand strong for their family, who would be faithful, who would help those that are that are uh, served by injustices in our society. Would they be willing to stand in the gap? Would they be willing to fight the fight? Would they be willing to love their wives? Would they be willing to raise their kids with a godly heritage? Would, would they be willing? And if God was seeking about today in Simple Church, would he find men willing to stand in the gap? Would he? Henry Varley uh, once said an uh, interesting quote to D.L. Moody. I don't know if you're familiar with the name D.L. Moody. He founded Moody Bible Institute. He was one of the most influential men of the 19th century for propagating the gospel around the world. Moody Bible Institute stands to this day uh, in Illinois. But he said this quote. He said, The world has yet to see what God can do through one man whose heart is totally surrendered to him. To which D.L. Moody replied, I will be that man. I hope that can be our declaration today by the end of this message that, you know, I want to be that man. I want to be the guy that stands in the gap. I want to be the guy that says, here I am, God. And so in that effort, let's take a look at Samson and let's see maybe where we can learn some lessons. And as I went through and prepared for this message, I tell you, I can really relate to Samson. And I think most of us in here can. We fall short. We, We crack up. We let things get in the way. And it, and it damages us, and it damages our families. And so here's the first thing I want you to know about Samson. If, you, if you're not familiar with the story, Samson's a guy in the Bible, and he was really, really, really strong. But he wasn't really muscular. Like, like that was the interesting thing. Like, this, this strength from, that was on Samson was a supernatural strength from God. And it was a, a gifting or an anointing given to him so that he could be a deliverer for the people of God at this time. It was amazing. Like, you wouldn't look at him and go, oh, no wonder he's so strong. Look at those muscles. Do you have to be muscles? 
muscles everywhere. They were up here. They're on the trapezius and the deltoids. And they had the latissimus. And they were growing and pumping. He doesn't look like that at all. He probably looked a lot scrawnier. Because people wondered. They were like, how is this dude so strong? So the first thing I want you to know about Samson and everything that you read about in the Bible, Samson's accomplishments are legendary, but so are his weaknesses. And Samson, like us, had tremendous God-given potential, but he's self-destructed. How many of you just by show of hands in this year, in the last 10 years, in the last five years, in the last six months would say, I have had amazing potential, but I self-destructed at some point along the way. Is that you? I, I love it. I'm in a room full of self-destructors. Me too. I've, I caused myself to stumble. I caused a self-destruct. Listen, Samson was an incredibly strong man with an incredibly weak will. How many of you can relate? Sometimes it just gets the better of you. Oh my goodness, absolutely. Let me tell you a little bit about Samson's bio. So if Samson had his, his bio going on on Facebook today, or if he, he set up his, his profile, he might put things like, my birth was announced by angels. Did you know that? Samson's birth was announced by angels. He was set apart and chosen to be a deliverer for his people. Samson had such an amazing ability, such massive supernatural strength, that he literally tore apart a lion. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, well, that's not terribly impressive. Have you ever seen a lion? Their paw is as big as my face. Their claws can rip through flesh. Listen, I had the wonderful opportunity the first week that the Columbus Zoo opened up their Africa exhibit. We had passes, and so we went to this new exhibit, and they had this beautiful, if you haven't, how many of you have been and seen the Africa exhibit? And they had this wonderful plain. It's like the plains in Africa, right? And, and they have this little divide. On one side of the divide, they had all the happy animals. They're running around. They have the, the zebras and the giraffes and the other things, and, 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 and basically, it's like lion food, Okay. If you think about this, it, just a big old, it's like the golden corral for lions. It's a big old buffet of lion food. Then they have this, this gulf, and then on the other side, they have a pride of lion. They had a male lion, they had a couple lady lions, and any time any one of those lions would pop their head up, right in the beginning, every animal flipped out, like just ran for cover, because they knew that they were in the presence of something powerful, something mighty something that could easily destroy a man, and yet Samson had the ability to tear a lion apart. And that lion's carcass is important later on in this message. Because that same Samson whose birth was announced by angels, who, who destroyed a lion, who actually killed a thousand men, that same Samson compromised his vow to God for a handful of honey. That same Samson was subject to uncontrollable fits of anger and rage that caused him to do things in the moment that he regretted later. How many of you could relate? Yeah. That same Samson killed 30 men just so he could avoid having to pay off a gambling debt. That same deliverer, that same Samson had this insatiable desire and therefore a weakness for women. 
Now, I've known men. I've known men in the church over the years who were absolutely committed to their job. They were committed to the gym. They were committed to their sport. They were committed to bicycling or whatever that commitment was, but they couldn't keep the commitment to their wife. They couldn't keep committed to stay faithful to their family. I've known men who could be so aggressive at work, climb the corporate ladder, make the next bonus, get the boat, get the vacation home, get the timeshare, make sure they had the best suits, the best clothes, live in the best neighborhoods, send their kids to the best schools, be absolutely ruthlessly aggressive when it came to the things they wanted and remain passive when it came to the spiritual matters of their home or the raising of their own kids. I've known men who could spend three hours researching the exact perfect system to put in the house for audio and the the flat screen TV, and I've got to get these seats because these seats will fit, and we can design the audio system so I can have the home entertainment and I can have the man cave. Hours and hours and hours, but couldn't spend five minutes reading the Word of God and how to be a better godly man. I've known men in the church that absolutely love God love their wives, love their kids, but are trapped in a prison of lust in a secret world of pornography addiction because they're too afraid and too proud to ask for help. Samson came along in a time in Israel's history when Israel had done really bad things, and so God literally turned the entire nation of Israel over to its enemies And they were enslaved to the Philistines for years, 40 years. And then in Judges 13, an angel says that a sterile woman is going to give birth to a son. That son is going to be set apart from birth to deliver God's people from the Philistines. Now, this this set-apart person, this Samson, he actually took a vow. In the Bible, we call it the Nazarite vow. Now, the Nazarite vow was simply a vow that you would take if you were not part of the priesthood, but you were dedicating your life to God. You were dedicating your life to God in His service. And it's a three-part vow. Part one of the vow was, I will not drink any alcohol, no wine, no Jose Cuervo, no XO, no cognac, no Coors Light, no Budweiser, no tequila, no alcoholes. That's not a real Spanish word, by the way. I totally just made that up right now. But that was part of the vow, uh, uh, part one of the vow, no alcohol. Part two of the vow was, I will not touch any dead thing. Nothing dead, nothing unclean. So I'm going to be out in the messing with carcasses and the in the plains or in the desert, not going to do that. And the third part of that vow was I will not cut my hair. That was Samson's vow. He had really long hair. Now, I still remain convinced that Samson probably didn't have a mullet, although I think it would be pretty sweet if he did because I'm still praying for the mullet to make a comeback because I myself, I rocked the mullet one time, and I think we have a pic of it. I just want to let that be out there. Do we have that mullet? Yes. Yeah, that's right. I was an 80s rocker. You laugh at that now. Chicks were digging that back then. I don't even want to tell you. I didn't know Jesus, but this was what was going on. (laughs) That was a pretty sweet mullet, right? Come on. That's what I thought. So what's with the hair part of this vow for Samson? Well, it was an outward expression of an inner commitment. 
We do it today, and even at Simple Church, called water baptism. It is an outward expression of an inner commitment of our lives to Jesus. It's, it's just like the wedding band. How many of you have your wedding band on? That is an outward expression of an inward commitment. I'm committed to someone. Literally, Samson was saying through these three vows, I am committed to God. Who are you committed to? How many of you have your Cavs jersey after the national championship, right? Anybody wearing one today? Anybody? No Cavs? No, really, no Cavs fans in the middle of Reynoldsburg? There's got to be two or three. No? Well, listen, those Cavs fans, they jumped right on that bandwagon after that national championship. That outward expression of an inner commitment. I've got one on right now. What is this an outward expression of a commitment to? Excellence, he says. Go Bucks. O-H. All right, there we go. I'm in the right place still. I just want to make sure. So there are three very specific attitudes that make strong men weak. And I dare say I'm not the only one in here who struggled with them. There are three very specific attitudes that make strong men weak. And if this is you as well, I want you to just say these after me when I say it. The first one is lust. Say it with me. Lust. The next one is entitlement. Say entitlement. And the third one is pride. Say pride. Yeah, that's right. So the first one we're going to talk about a little bit is, is, is lust. And lust simply says I want it. Come on, man, say it after me. Say, I want it. Come on. I want to hear it. Say, I want it. Put a little growl in it. It's like, I want it. Ah, yeah, yeah, a little bit. I want it. Listen, lust is not just sexual. Lust is wanting to fulfill a desire more than controlling your appetite. Could be about food. Could be about gambling. Could be about chasing the next paycheck. Could be about whatever... It entices your appetites. Lust says, I want it. In Samson's case, Samson went down to Timnah, and he saw a young Philistine woman there. And when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman. Get her for me as my wife. Now, here's the thing about Timnah. Timnah was a Philistine territory, meaning it was, although four miles away from Samson's village, it was full of God's enemies. And as a man that was set apart for a purpose of delivering the nation of Israel, it was forbidden to intermarry with unbelievers, with the enemies of God. He had no business going into Timnah looking for a wife who was an enemy of God. And yet he did because he saw her and he said, I want it. He had been told not to intermarry with unbelievers. He did it anyways. Think about what happened in Samson's head. He didn't ask. He didn't go for wise counsel. He didn't bounce the idea off of somebody. He simply looked and said, this is what I want. I'm going to get it. And we think to ourselves, well, what is wrong with Samson? And yet every single one of us in here, every man in here has dealt with that same level of lust in something or another. I want it. I don't care if it's not good for me. I want it. I don't care if, 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 if I probably shouldn't be driving. I, I, I want it. I, 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 don't, I don't care if, if, if you think I'm a little out of it. I, I want another drink. I, I don't care if, if we're not married yet. I, I want you. Just stay the night just one time. I, I don't care if, 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 if I'm married right now. I, that girl should still go on that business trip with me. It, it's what I, I want. 
I don't care if the bills are due. That, 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 that game system is, I, I want it. I, I, I just got to play a little bit longer. I'll worry about getting a job later. I, I, I don't care. I want it. I didn't ask what's wise for me. I didn't ask what's good for me. I simply said, this is what I want. And ladies and gentlemen, that level of lust is damaging a generation of men in America. It's damaging our homes. It's damaging our marriages. It's leaving us with broken kids who don't know what it's like to become a man or woman because we didn't have a dad at home that would teach us. Number two is this entitlement attitude that says, I deserve it. Say it after me. Say, I deserve it. Oh, yeah, I deserve it. That's right. I'm entitled. Listen, as, as I want to give you this picture now of, of the, the mountain lion, or the lion that Samson faced, this big, you know, multi-hundred-pound beast with razor-sharp claws, stronger than any three men, and Samson takes it and just rips the thing apart and kills the lion. The lion carcass is lying there now. Now, so picture, for whatever reason, some bees decide, hey, dead lion carcass, great place to set up camp. So these bees come, and they start building a hive. They build a hive, a honeycomb, if you will. And so in this carcass is a beehive. What do bees produce? Honey. Is honey sweet? Yeah. Maybe I feel a little bit entitled to some of that honey. So later on, as Samson approaches this carcass again, he sees the swarm of bees. He sees the honey. And he go, in Judges 14, he takes his hand and he scoops down into the dead thing and he grabs some honey. Well, what was part two of his vow? Touch no unclean dead thing. Did that stop Samson? No, because he was entitled to get what he wants. He broke a a godly vow for a handful of honey that was in a dead thing. Now, that's nasty. Is that? I mean, that's just nasty, right? But to be fair, men... We're just nasty. Okay, men, I, men are nasty. Men are, men are nasty. Now listen, ladies, if you don't think men are nasty, you either A, have not married one, or B, had a teenage son yet. <laughs> men, are, men are gross. Men are absolutely gross. If you don't believe me, ask any man in here how he would figure out whether a pair of underwear laying on the floor is clean or dirty. You know what you would do. You're nasty. (laughs) Don't pick on Samson just because he traded his godly vow for stuff he felt entitled to. We do it every single day, don't we? In our own way. Leave a faithful wife for a home wrecker. Chase after the boat without tithing or giving into the church, chase a cheap thrill on a computer screen rather than being honest with our mate, our spouse, our girlfriend. We do it every day. Number three, and this is the big one, pride. Pride says, I can handle it. How many of you have lied to yourselves before and said, I can handle this? Yeah, me. I'll put my hand way up there. I can handle this. I got this under control. Say it with me. Say, I can handle it. Yeah. So the danger of thinking you can handle it 
is most often what you're thinking you can handle ends up handling you. It, it happened to Samson. This man who was set apart from God, gifted with supernatural strength, could kill a thousand enemies, compromised his vow, chased after things of lust, felt entitled, and by the end, cut his hair, touched dead things, and now he's about to break another part of the vow. He said he wouldn't drink any alcohol. Well, here's, get this picture now. It says in Judges 14 that his father went down to see the woman, and as a result, Samson made a feast that was customary for bridegrooms, okay? So the word that is there in, in Hebrew for feast uh, is not like, yay, we're going to the buffet. It's not that type of feast. The word is mishteh. Now, that means a party or a celebration. In other words, an, a celebration or an occasion for drinking. Samson was throwing a kegger. Okay, let's be honest here. Samson was getting turned. Samson was ready to blow his vow completely to God because he got the woman that he wanted that wasn't God's choice. He's eating honey out of a dead thing. That's just nasty. And now he's just going to get blasted drunk because that he, he figures he can handle it. So he's got his kegger. He's got his bachelor party. He said, I'm strong. I want it. I can handle it. I deserve it. And before long, the thing he thought he could handle ends up handling him. He was drawn towards something that should have been off limit because of his faith. How many of us have been there? I want a few drinks. I deserve a few drinks. I can handle a few drinks. I wanted a flat screen. I wanted a new car. I wanted the new computer. I wanted the latest iPhone. I deserve it. I can handle the payments, and now those payments are handling you. And the biggest stressor that we have in our marriages today comes down to sexual immorality and financial integrity that's lacking. Two biggest stressors we're facing, right? I was just looking. It was no big deal. I can handle it. Fast forward in Samson's life, as a result of his compromise, we see him now with his eyes gouged out. He's in chains. He's lost his strength. He's in shackles. He's a laughingstock. Now we say that could never happen to us, but a, a, a version of that happens every day. You don't want to end up being, gentlemen, the guy who's 40 and 50 years old who's now single because you, you lost your wife to divorce, your kids want nothing to do with you, all because of what you chased now. All because you had to have the latest thing. End up in bankruptcy, end up in a financial wreck, end up with kids who hate you, end up with nobody in your life because today, lust, entitlement, and pride had their way. Look at Samson. On the outside, everything looked good still. Until it got chopped off, he still had his long hair. He still had that outward expression of his, of his vow. But on the inside, he had broken everything. He had broken it all. But here's what I want you to know. If you are in Christ, Christian, if you are in Christ, there is spiritual greatness in you, and you can be transformed. You can be new. You can make a difference in this world. 
In fact, God wants you to be a strong man. But in the kingdom of God, everything's an opposite. You don't get strong by acting strong. You don't get strong by saying, I can handle it. You get strong by admitting, I'm weak. You get strong by saying, I can't handle it. You get strong by saying, I need a hand stronger than mine to hold me and take me through this mess and get me out on the other side. That's how you get strong in the kingdom of God. It doesn't work the way it works in the world. It has to come to a place where you say, I can't do this on my own. I need a savior. Here's the main deal today. Our enemy, Satan, loves to make strong men weak, but our God loves to make weak men strong. That's that's real good news. Look at somebody next to you and say, that's good news. That's real good news. Our God is with you. Our God is for you. Our God doesn't want to leave you in the same mess that you were in. Our God says, hey, there's a better way. Listen, religion loves to point its long nose and finger down at people and judge. That's not what this church is about. That's not what the kingdom of God is about. Can I tell you a really interesting story? It's a funny story. It's a true story. It really did happen. This happened at a, at a, at a restaurant that serves some of the best chicken in the world. It was in this, in this city. It was down south called Chick-fil-A. Just love those chicken sandwiches. This is the best thing. They're just anointed. Just anointed. I just feel God when I get up in those waffle fries and that chicken sandwich. Listen, I, it was at a real Chick-fil-A. And... This, this nine or 10-year-old kid was going to the restrooms. He comes out of the restroom, and he looks, and he tells his mom, says, I don't feel good still. I still feel icky. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, just like a scene from The Exorcist, it was this kid just, bleh, just started puking, like, like just tons of vomit all over the floor. And, and about that time, this, this, this lady turned the corner. She had to be 79, maybe 80,000 years old. It was a really old lady. She's an older lady, she's like 79 years old, and she's and, and, and just like you would expect, just kind of a little bit of a shuffle, had a little bit of a cane. She's turning the corner as Junior has greased the plane, so to speak. And you know what happened next, right? Oh, yeah, it happened. Oh, yeah. One, two, whoop! I mean, both feet came up and down she goes into the mess. Oh, yeah. Vomit everywhere. Vomit everywhere. Not a pre- help. I've fallen and I can't get up. The life alert. Nothing's worked. She's just down in kid puke. Ugh. Somebody said that's nasty. That's nasty. But do you know what they did at Chick-fil-A? Nobody came along and goes, look at her. She's down in a bunch of mess. That's just disgusting. That's horrible. You know what they did? They helped her out. They said, here, let me get you back up. Let me help get you cleaned off. You know what we need? We need churches and we need people that'll say, you know what? When you're, when you're down and you fell in that mess, we're not going to sit there and say, oh, that's just too bad. Look how messy you are. I'm glad I'm not in that mess. You know what? We're going to reach down and help you get out of that mess. We're going to reach down with the love of God and say, you can be different. We're going to reach down and say, even though you were weak, even though things got jacked up in your life, God can turn it around for you as well. I think that's the type of church we want to be. That's the type of Christians we need. That's the type of Jesus we serve. Amen. So I'm going to tell you three attitudes that will make weak men turn strong. Instead of saying, I want it, men, we've got to say this, I want God. Say it out loud with me. Say, I want God. Right. What a difference that makes. Instead of saying, I deserve it, gentlemen, we've got to say the truth. I deserve death. Say it with me. Say, I deserve death. 
That's not as popular as the other ones. Yeah, I deserve it. You know what? The wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible tells us. And, and ladies, that's not just for the men in here. That's for you too. We all deserve death. As we walk around being prideful and arrogant, telling God what we feel like we deserve in our life, he's sitting as the holy and righteous judge of the universe saying, you know what, kiddo, what you really deserve is death. But when we're willing to say, I know I, I want God and I know I deserve death, Instead of saying, thirdly, I can handle it, I can handle anything, we need to say, I cannot handle anything without God. I cannot handle anything without God. You can't, gentlemen, you can't handle your finances without God. You can't handle your lustful, prideful appetites without God. You can't handle your marriage without God. You can't handle your kids without God. I got news for you. You weren't designed to do this on your own. You weren't designed to be a lone wolf. You were designed to be plugged into and dependent upon the creator of the universe. The strongest men I know are those that are willing to say, I am weak and I am in need of someone stronger than me. Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So the last thing I want to kind of leave you with as a thought on this is your thinking, because this is a common term in the church. I got, but you don't understand, Scott, I got liberty. I can handle, I really can't handle it. I've got liberty in Christ. Maybe some Christians can't handle the type of stuff I watch on the internet, but, but I can. It doesn't mess my family up. Maybe, maybe some Christians can't handle the number of drinks that I, that I take, but, but I, can, I can handle it. Maybe some Christians can turn their nose down and look down on me because I'm smoking a little weed, but really, I can handle it. It's okay. I, I, it takes the edge off. Listen, what we see as our liberty in Christ, our enemy most often sees as his door of opportunity. Let that sink in. What we see is our liberty in Christ to do as we please. The enemy's like, oh yeah, keep going, bucko. Keep going, a little bit further, a little bit deeper, a little bit more, because he's seeing that as his door of opportunity to bring destruction into your life. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, did it make a sound? If a man breaks a rule and breaks his marriage vow and no one's there to see it, did it happen? Hashtag real integrity. You can be strong, but only when you admit you're weak. I dare say that this is, this is a, a good message to start this series with because we get a real picture of where Samson was. It was lust, it was entitlement, and it was pride that set him on a path of destruction. And some of us right now in this room, if we'd be real honest with ourselves, would say, I am dealing with consequences in my life right now because of choices that I made to chase after my own lust, to get the things I felt entitled to, man, because I lied to myself and said I could handle it. My finances are jacked up. I got payments I can't afford. My wife doesn't respect me. My kids don't love me. I'm struggling with addictions that would have never started if I had not touched the stuff in the first place. And it doesn't have to be drugs. It could be negative attitudes. It could be improper habits. But the only way out 
is to say, I want God. I know I deserve death, and I can't handle this without Him. Christianity, that's just a crutch for the weak. Yeah, it is. It is, Mr. Insult Man. But what you don't know is that you're weak. I'm weak. I'm in need of a Savior. I'm in need of a turnaround artist. I'm in need of a rescue. I'm in need of somebody to reach down in my mess and pull me out. That's what I'm in need of.